Would you join me in prayer before we look into the Word of God? Father in heaven, we're just so thankful this morning that we can be here together, that we can enjoy your Word, enjoy fellowship one with another, uh, and we thank you again for bringing us to Jesus Christ. We wouldn't be here together if each of us did not know Jesus Christ the Savior. We wouldn't be here as the body of Christ. So we're thankful, Lord, that you opened our spiritual eyes to see the beauty of Christ. And we thank you for your word. And he is the theme of scripture. He's mentioned all throughout the word of God. And we're thankful that we have come to know him through faith in him, through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray that you will use this time in the word of God for your honor for your glory, for our edification. Thank you again, Lord, for each one here. And we do want your Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 is going to be our focus for the word of God this morning. Uh, We have here, and there was an insert in your bulletins um, that deals with the first part of our message Uh, It's entitled The um, Prophecy of the Coming Messiah. Uh, This passage that was read for us this morning that we're looking at now was written 700 years before the birth of Christ. See, a lot of people don't understand. We we sing a song together. Don has this thing. Ancient words ever true, changing me, changing you. And the Word of God really does. It it works in our lives. Um, it, It changes us. It gives us perspective uh, on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, this is a prophecy given 700 years before the coming of Christ. It's a prophecy of the Messiah of Israel, the leader, the ruler of Israel. And um, it's very interesting how it's recorded uh, for us, the Holy Spirit, again, guiding human writers, uh, so that primarily when that was written... So that God's people, Israel, would be able to recognize the Messiah. In fact, you know, when Jesus was born, there were people who were still looking for the promised Messiah, weren't they? They were looking for him. Why? Because they knew some of the scriptures that said, the Messiah of Israel is coming, the one who will die for our sins, the one who will change the nation and bring our hearts back to the Lord. Um, This is one of those passages that the people of Israel, uh, even in Christ's day, should have at least known about. And, of course, the one in uh, Micah chapter 5, uh, verse 2, uh, the prophecy of Christ being born in Bethlehem. We talked about that last Sunday. Uh, Micah 5, 2. Well, where is he to be born? They were asked, the religious leaders. He's to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. You see, people who were really looking for the promise of God... The fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Prophecy was given even with the place of his birth. And uh, yet the religious leaders, as we saw last week, did not go uh, to worship him. But, of course, the wise men did. So as we look at this passage, you'll notice that there are some things here which are very clear with regards to the coming of Israel's Messiah. The first one was he was to be born a child. 
Unto us a child is born. The us, of course, refers to the people of Israel. And, of course, when the angel appeared to the shepherds at the night of Christ's birth, the angel said, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the Messiah was going to be one. God promised he would come and he would save from sin. Now, this morning, we who know Jesus Christ as Savior, we know that he came and died in fulfillment of the promise that he would save from sin. And if you know him as your Savior, uh, how um, grateful you are and how grateful we are that we've received forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, promised Messiah of Israel. The second one is that he was to be a son given. Child born refers to his humanity. Son given refers to his, de- his deity. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God, uh, sent by the Father in heaven um, to earth in order that he might not only live a sinless life, but go to the cross and there die and pay the price for our sins. Uh, he came to give his life a ransom for us. And when the term ransom is used in that Matthew 20 passage, it means he came, he lived a sinless life, he willingly laid down his life for us so that, as a ransom so that we might be set free from sin. A ransom. Uh, a ransom was a price paid to set somebody free. Well, you and I as believers, we've been set free from the power and the penalty of sin. Uh, we were talking about this in um, youth group the other week, and uh, we were talking about the fact middle school youth. We were talking about the fact that uh, when we're uh, when we trust Christ as Savior, we're set free uh, from the penalty of sin and eternal. Uh, time of separation in hell forever, but from the power of sin. And as believers, young people, children, need to be reminded that they can say no to sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. He broke the power of sin in our lives. He was the son given, the promised son from the Father in heaven. And, of course, he will rule over God's people. Uh, it says the government shall be upon his shoulder. And that's looking forward to the time uh, when Jesus Christ, as the Messiah of God, will rule and reign over not only Israel from Jerusalem, but over the whole earth. I love Zechariah 14.9, which says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. And there's a lot of times in the Old Testament where the phrase is used, in that day, looking to a day in the future. Um, and we are amongst those who believe that Jesus Christ is not only coming back again at the rapture of the church, it'll be seven years of judgment on the earth, but he's coming back someday uh, to rule and reign on the earth in Jerusalem. Now when I say that, uh, please keep in mind, not everybody believes that. They don't. Uh, there is much teaching in our Christianity today, which says, well, we're not really looking for Christ to come back and uh, rule and reign for a thousand years. Uh, all the promises of God given to Israel are now given to the church, and it's called replacement theology. Uh, we don't subscribe to replacement theology. We believe God has made promises to his people, and he promised that uh, he would send Christ back again. And Jesus is coming back again. And uh, we're looking for the rapture. We're looking for the time when uh, we meet the Lord in the air. It would be amazing if it was today before Christmas. 
and your your presents just lie under the tree, and your neighbors say, "Wonder where they are," because there will be a living generation of believers who are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and it could be today. It really could. But anyway, he will rule over God's people and over the world. Zechariah 14. No. Pardon me, 14.9. And those who like to bring application uh, from even the truth of his ability to rule, and he will rule the earth in righteousness and justice when he comes down to the earth, and oh, how our world needs it now. But he does want to rule in our hearts as well. Uh, he wants to have control over us. Uh, he's uh, the, the king. We, we are his subjects. We acknowledge him to be king. Yes, he's king of Israel and he's coming to rule, but we want to let him make the decisions for our lives as well. Fourthly, he will have five descriptive titles and um, I did separate wonderful and counselor. Some people don't. They say it's more of an uh, adjective form for a counselor, but I separate it and the old King James separated it as well. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's mighty God. Father of eternity, everlasting Father. The Son is not the Father as such. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And he's uh, Prince of Peace. And that's going to be our focus. Uh, we're going to focus this morning on that one name of Christ. The fact that when he came, he came as the Prince of Peace. And there are those who didn't receive the peace that he made available. We who trust Jesus as Savior now, today are able to enter into, and we'll talk about this in just a few minutes, a wonderful peace uh, that can be a part of our experience that comes from Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. And uh, he's going to be seated on David's throne. I mentioned he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. Uh, he will rule in justice and righteousness. Revelation 11:15 says, "The kingdoms of this world will be the kingdom come the kingdoms of our Lord. He will reign on the earth in the future." You can be thinking about that. And uh, the interesting thing is when you think about what Jesus does and is coming back again. People say things like, "Well, you know, our world is in such a bad condition," and um, it is. And um, it will not be a human being that can get the nations of the earth to uh, agree together and stop war. Only Jesus can do it. And the day is coming when evil will be shut down. And uh, that can be a good tool of witness for you because you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, you know, the world's so bad and wonder why God allows the world to be so bad. Well, uh, he uh, is in sovereign control. And individuals are coming to faith in Christ and experiencing his peace. But the day is coming when evil will be shut down completely. I remember I had a wonderful opportunity to witness to a guy I worked with a number of years ago in a flavor manufacturing plant. We used to um, make flavors for sodas and flavors for ice cream. And, hey, that was a good place to work. But anyway, the guy, the guy there, he said, boy, I just don't understand all this evil in the world. And I said, have you ever thought about the fact that God's going to shut it down? He said, show me that. Just happened to have my New Testament with me that day. Just happened. It was an accident. No. And I pulled it out and I showed him a Revelation 20:10, where Satan's going to be bound. And he said, I'm going to tell you something, Ken Rogers. I've never seen that verse before. Boy, it's a great verse. Satan will be bound. 
Christ is going to reign. That's in the future. All these things, both the birth and the final rule of Christ, number six on that study sheet, will all be accomplished <clears throat> by God himself. The text says, the zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish these things. And uh, wow, how interesting that is. Just a quick review. Um, the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to use that first name in the text there in Isaiah 9, 6. His name shall be called Wonderful. And he is wonderful. Warren Wiersbe, in his book, when he discusses the names of Christ, he talks about the fact that uh, this takes care of the dullness of life. Listen, when you know Jesus Christ as Savior, remember he promised to give you two things when you trusted him. Number one, an abundant life. And number two, eternal life. Now, when we talk about abundant life, doesn't mean it's a life free from trials. People not only here in our country, but in other countries, when they trust Christ, they may have to go through much trial. But there's an abundance, there's a spiritual abundance in the life when you have Jesus and you know he's in sovereign control over all things. It, it puts a different perspective on life. In our Sunday school class this morning, we talked about the fact that we're strangers and pilgrims here. And we're citizens of a different world. And we're looking forward to the day when we will be with our God and our Savior forever and ever. But right here and now, we're strangers and pilgrims. But it's amazing that Jesus said, if you come to me, I will give you abundant life. A life that's full and complete and has wonder attached to it. Someone said when the Lord Jesus Christ touched something, whatever he touched, he not only blessed it, but he made it wonderful. And uh, in this way it's described. First of all, a little seed. Well, Jesus said uh, the seed is the word of God. Uh, I, I'm amazed. Uh, I used to like to have a garden and New Jersey, by the way, is the garden state. We don't have just pollution there. It's the garden state. And I used to like to take little seeds and plant them. And uh, wow, Jesus said the seed is the word of God. And when you take scripture, and even if you put a little verse on the Christmas card, and you're burdened about somebody, and you, know, you have the ability to maybe circle it or... It's amazing how God will use the rhema of Scripture to bring people to faith in Christ. The Word of God is like a seed. You plant it, and it grows. And we know that because we're growing spiritually as we read and study the Word of God. Jesus is wonderful. He talked about water, and he talked about water in relationship to the Holy Spirit. And he said, the water that I will give you will become uh, in you. Uh, a well springing up into everlasting life. He talked about uh, sheep, lost sheep. And he said, uh, sheep, lost sheep are likened unto a person who's lost. And when the shepherd finds the lost sheep, he puts it on his shoulders and he rejoices because uh, the person who was lost is found. And you and I who have trusted Christ as Savior, we've been found by the shepherd. And um, Jesus is amazing. He's wonderful. His words are wonderful. Um, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. I still like what uh, Martin Luther said when he talked about the word of God. He said, you know, when I read the word of God, it kind of grabs a hold of me. 
And he says, sometimes when I'm not in it yet, it runs after me. And, uh, but I like the phrase where he said, the word of God can grab a hold of me. And just like you and I, we read something and say, man, that is beautiful truth. I needed that encouragement today. Well, that's because the words of Christ are wonderful. He's wonderful. He's the mighty God. He's mighty God. And uh, it's interesting to see Mary's testimony after she was chosen to uh, be used by God for the birth of the Messiah. Listen to this. She said in Luke chapter 1, verse 49, He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. You see, Jesus Christ is the mighty God. And Mary said, you know, I have a relationship with God, and he's the mighty God, and he's done wonderful things for me. And uh, one of these Sundays, we're going to break off into some testimony time. It may take a little while, but you could testify how God has been mighty in your life. And he's done things which are exceedingly above and beyond whatever you have previously asked or think. You'll see that he's also called Everlasting Father. And I've translated it the Father of Eternity. In other words, he's Everlasting Father. And the point of that is that the, the Son isn't the Father. There's the Father and the Son. But Jesus is called the Father of Eternity. And in the Hebrew language... Father was also uh, used with the understanding as being an originator of. And so when Jesus is called everlasting Father, he's the originator of eternal things, things that last forever. And by the way, when you trusted Christ, you received eternal life, right? Can anybody take that life away from you? Can you take it away from yourself? No, of course not. He gives us eternal he's the father of eternity he gives us eternal things uh, it's beautiful and the last one we want to think about is the fact that jesus christ is the prince of peace you and i know that there's much turmoil and conflict in our world it probably came on your phone it was on my phone this morning party in chicago last night 13 wounded a guy gets a gun and he starts shooting around Every weekend in major cities across America, there's killing, there's strife. Nations clash against nations. There's war. And we who know the Lord, we need to be very thankful. And especially we who live here in Texas in the promised land. Sorry for that. Uh, we have a lot of blessings living here. We really do. And uh, we need to be constantly thankful. But there are many people who are looking for peace in their lives. And, uh, you know, when you know the Prince of Peace, you can keep reminding yourself of that name, by the way, during this Christmas season. He's the Prince of Peace. And that peace comes to those who are of goodwill, the message of the angel. Peace on earth to them, uh, goodwill to men, actually should be peace on earth to those who, with whom God is pleased. And when you trusted Jesus as your Savior, God was pleased that you made that decision for him. And he, in an amazing way, through Christ, 
can give you peace in your life. But there are multitudes of people in our world today who do not understand peace. Aren't there times, maybe, let me relate with you here. Aren't there times when you're hearing a lot of things, maybe things even related to your family, uh, things on the news, and these things keep coming our, your way, and you say, Lord, I, I just need peace. We go to the Lord. We say, Lord, we need that peace that our Savior has promised. And we're going to look at that verse in just a minute. My peace I give you, not the kind that the world gives, but I give you peace. And um, there's a lot of references now I'm going to mention related to the subject of peace. One of the key Old Testament verses, by the way, is Isaiah 26.3, where it says, and if you say, you know, there are times when I really want peace in my life. Isaiah 26.3 would be one of the verses you could turn to, where it says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That is a key verse. If you need peace of mind, start focusing on Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Because peace, and our Sunday school teacher mentioned this this morning. He didn't know what the message was going to be on. But he said, peace and satisfaction in life come out of your relationship with the Lord. That's worth repeating. Peace and satisfaction in life comes out of your relationship with the Lord. Now you can say, well, I have a relationship with the Lord, but sometimes I don't have the peace I'd like to have. How do we get it? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. We need to allow uh, the Holy Spirit to give us control of our thoughts. The Apostle Peter mentions this in his letter. Gird up the loins of your mind. Um, there are times when we should not allow our minds to just wander off and, oh, this could happen, and this could happen, and this could happen. No, gird up the loins of your mind. Pull in your thinking. And In fact, I, there's sometimes I've said to the Lord, Lord, I'm thinking the wrong way. I'm looking at this in the wrong way. Help me, Lord, to look at this from your perspective. Um, now, we'll keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, Christ is the Prince of Peace. Let's think about that word peace for just a minute. When we think of peace, normally speaking, in the English, we think of two things. And these are good. I like them. First of all, we think of the absence of outward conflict. Conflict around us, okay? Secondly, we think of a state of inner calm. A state of inner calm. But shalom, the Hebrew word, goes farther than that. And it adds wholeness, completeness, safety, wellness. You say, well, what are you saying? I'm saying the closer we get to Jesus, the more we pull into him, that will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. The closer you get to Jesus the more you're going to have clarity of thought and the more you're going to experience inner peace. Remember, I want you to remember this. The Hebrew word shalom, and by the way, the people in um, biblical times used to greet one another with shalom. So after the service today, when you see Dave, you say shalom, Dave. Uh, or greet somebody with that word. So you remember it. And remember, now, don't forget it. 
that it means more than just our English word for peace. It means that there's a, there's a completeness. There's a work within us. There's a spiritual wellness. There's a, there's a safety. And, and that comes, you see, through Jesus Christ. And we'll look at that closing verse at the very end of the message where Jesus says, I'm going to give you my peace. Shalom. Shalom comes from living in harmony with the Lord. And uh, again, I'm going to repeat that phrase. Peace and satisfaction come from our relationship with Christ. And again, the fruit of that connection that you have with the Lord, boy, it's peace. You say, well, how come sometimes, and you rightfully ask this question, how come sometimes I just don't have peace, and boy, my mind's racing and rattling and going in different directions. Well, it could be that that's a time when the Lord is saying, draw near to me. Didn't Jesus say, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest? Listen, some of you work hard. You really do. Not, not, not only on a job, but in your family situation, ministering to others, mothers ministering to children, others ministering to others, and you work hard. Well, you really need the peace of God that passes all, in fact, surpasses all understanding. You need that peace that comes from your relationship with the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is the source of true shalom, true peace. And I'm going to give you another key New Testament verse with regards to peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, and I like this translation, which says, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, we could spend a lot of time on this verses. It's, it's, it's awesome. But you'll notice our part is this. Deal with anxiety, but in everything, in everything. Oh, well, my concern is about my visit to the doctor. Or my concern is about somebody I'm going to have to see this week. In everything. Wow. In everything by prayer and supplication. And don't forget that. Put that thanksgiving in there. Let your requests be made known unto God. Then the peace of God comes into our lives. Remember, I'm not saying there will not be some very difficult things that come into our experience. And we're going to say, why? You know, somebody in our fellowship um, Charlie had his truck break down yesterday. And he was planning to go to see his son for Christmas. If it doesn't get fixed, he may not be going. <laughs> it's difficult. It's not easy. Flat tires, they're easy. You call AAA, they come right over. The car repair, where you have to have your car towed and sewed some, uh, towed rather somewhere, that's difficult. That's very difficult. So that's a great verse, Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Jesus Christ, again, is called the Prince of Peace. He's called the Prince of Peace. And um, it's amazing how he gave evidence to the peace that was in his life. 
In fact, we uh, agree with the scriptures that tell us the peace which Christ experienced. Repeat. The peace which Christ experienced came out of his relationship with the Father in heaven. And all you have to do is go into passages like John 14, 15, 16, and 17. And you see that Jesus loved the Father in heaven. He trusted the Father in heaven. And the Father in heaven gave him peace. John 14, uh, 21 was one of the verses that I found. It says this, But that the world may know that I love the Father, Jesus said, and as the Father... That, that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. In other words, Jesus was saying, whatever the Father in heaven asked me to do, that's what I do. And that's why he had peace. Amazing. We as believers, uh, we take the example of Christ. He was in submission to the Father in heaven. We need to be in submission to God. So we get peace when we trust the Lord. Seek the Lord in prayer. Depend on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's when we have peace. You've probably heard it said, you know, I wish God would change my circumstances. Well, sometimes he doesn't change our circumstances, but what he does do is he changes us. That's really important to know. The Lord loves us very much. He desires that we be in submission to him. And he has told us, Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation. He didn't say you can't have peace, by the way. No, no, no. No, no. There may be very difficult things that come your pathway. Very difficult. But the Lord says to us, you know, the Savior is the Prince of Peace. And that God doesn't want us to be burdened down. And having our minds just torn around, he wants us to have his peace in our lives. And we'll close with that key verse, as I promised, in just a moment. So peace with God, of course, is uh, the foundation for peace with God is when we trust Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That will keep him in perfect peace. That's our responsibility to keep in fellowship with the Lord. Now, just some quick summary verses. <clears throat> Truth to remember. We need to remember that God is the author of peace, not confusion. I've had people say, you know, I made a decision in my life after I was really struggling. Should I? Should I not? And, and all, these, all this input came into my experience. And then I remembered that verse that says, 1 Corinthians 14:33, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Isn't that true? Yeah, it is. And I love to hear people say, give their testimony and say, you know, I have real peace about this. God told me to make this major decision. I've, I have, I've had people say, you know, and, and, you know, it's great when they can do this. It really is. But I've had people say, you know, I have real peace about buying this new car. This new Porsche. you got to be kidding. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that about a Porsche. No, nobody's ever said that. But it's a wonderful thing when you have a big expense to make where you can say, you know, God's given me peace about that. 
I've had people say God's given me peace about a move, about a job, about a, a, a medical condition. We need that peace. We really do. God is the author of peace. Secondly, peace results from wisdom that comes from God, and that's James 3.17. <clears throat> Pardon me. But the wisdom that is from above is first peaceable, then gentle and willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. And in James 3, he talks about the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of man, and then the wisdom that comes from God. And the wisdom that comes from God brings peace. Quickly, uh, believers should seek peace. Well, didn't You remember the um, Beatitudes where Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers? Remember that one? Really, God wants us to be peacemakers. We're living in a world where there's a lot of conflict. We're living in a world where even on the personal level, sometimes people are really at each other and say things that kind of really shouldn't be said. But the Lord says to you and me, <clears throat> one of many passages, Psalm 34:14. pardon me, Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. And I like how the New Living Translation says, work hard at living at peace with others. <coughs> Pardon me. Work hard at living at peace with others. In other words, it's not always easy. In fact, the Apostle said, if it's possible, as much as lies within you, live at peace with all men. In other words, you may have done your part, and I've, I've prayed with people over the years. You have too, probably. And there's still this conflict between people. But you've prayed, you did your part to have peace, but the other party, not interested. Not interested. But see, what God's looking for is you as the believer saying, look, I did my part. Uh, we talked in our class this morning about seeking forgiveness. Maybe you sought forgiveness. Not interested. Not interested in having reconciliation. Okay, but God wants us to do our part, be peacemakers, do our part, and then the responsibility is on the one who rejects having reconciliation or peace. Do our part. Uh, the amazing thing is as followers of Jesus Christ, we can be used by God to bring peace into the lives of others. It's amazing how God can use us. Quickly now. There's an inner peace. There's an inner peace which only Jesus Christ can give. So you, you and I need to say after we study the subject of the Prince of Peace together, when there's something comes up, and you don't like the circumstances, you can go to the Lord and you can say, Lord, I, I, I love you as the Prince of Peace. I just need peace in this area. Here's your key verse. John 14, 17. Jesus said, Peace I live with, with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Wow. What a verse. Thank you, Lord, Prince of Peace. Thank you that you said you would give us your peace. And he had peace when he was falsely accused, when they dragged him through those false trials, when he stood before Pilate. Pilate was amazed. He was shocked. Jesus answered not a word. Most people who are falsely condemned, they'll slam back. Jesus didn't slam back. 
He had peace. Now he's saying to you and me, I'm going to give you my peace. Where does it come from? It comes from within. Jesus told the disciples on the night before he was crucified, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now here, don't miss this. Here's why you and I can have peace. Because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives us insight. He's the spirit of truth. We'll be talking about this in the new year. He's the spirit of truth. And so therefore, again, when all these adverse things start coming our way, we go to the Lord and we we say, Lord, I need your peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. My peace. That same peace, Lord, I need it. I need it in my life. And how do we get it? By looking to Jesus. One more thing. If I don't mention this one, you'll say, oh, man, that's good. That's, That's positive. I like that. I like it too. Very positive. Holy Spirit lives within. We go to Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, and he gives us peace when things are not so good out here. Here's the last thing we need to remember, though. I'm going to leave you with these last two verses. These are very important. John 14, 17, and Isaiah 20, pardon me, 32, 17. 32.17 of Isaiah says this, The work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Now, don't miss that little phrase there. The work of righteousness shall be peace. Righteousness there is not the righteousness that's imputed to us, but it's the righteousness that we are to have in our lives since we have a relationship with God. The work of, in other words, God wants me to live righteously. He wants me to live according to His Word. But if I start living unrighteously, if I start having thoughts and desires that I shouldn't have, I'm not going to have peace. I may be born again, but I might live in sin. Well, you're not going to have peace if you're living in sin. In fact, we should say, Lord, when I'm straying out of your will, really come after me. Isn't that what we want God to do? If we're straying the wrong way, here's the verse again. The work of righteousness shall be peace. In other words, when you're living as God wants you to do, none of us are perfect. We all have to confess sin. But when you're doing the things God wants you to do, you know, when you're checking on other Christians that God wants you to do, when you're helping some people, you find out they need help, and you help them out. When When you're living righteously... When you're praying for others that should pray for, the work of righteousness is peace. But please keep this in mind. We'll have closing prayer. But if I'm living in sin, if I'm looking at things I shouldn't be looking at, if I'm away doing things that I shouldn't be doing, I'm not going to have peace because it's the work of righteousness that brings peace. So we need to be praying for one another and saying, Lord, help us, please. Help us, please, to live righteously before you. Let's pray together.